Well, if you're joining us, we are indeed uh, in a series in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're certainly not doing every verse. We're, we're sort of skipping through it, touching on something from each chapter. Uh, and part of the challenge of this, uh, at least as, as someone who preaches through, preaching through this series, is that um, it's a really good discipline when you say all of Scripture is God breathed and all of Scripture is, is good for us, uh, for teaching us, uh, for correcting us, for, for training us in righteousness, uh, when you come to challenging passages that in some ways you'd rather just avoid. <laughs> You're like, I'm not even sure what this means. Uh, and it's a good one because it challenges you to press into it and in effect press into God. And it forces you to wrestle with it, to really work at it. God, I, I'm trying to understand you. What are you saying? And certainly I felt that this week as we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 uh, verses 1 to 11 and I'm reading here from the NIV if you want to follow along. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offences to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it, Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. This is God's word to us today. And what a passage it is. Uh, the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes has, in the, the latter half of the book which we're in, so the final six chapters, uh, been teaching us how to meaningfully navigate this frustrating world. In some ways, he's been pushing us in the first half of the book. This world is frustrating. It's vain. It's temporary. It's passing away. Your life is short. And in the second half of the book, he's teaching us how to navigate through this frustra these frustrations so that we will not invest our lives in the things that are just going to be here today and gone tomorrow, that our lives will have meaning and significance before God. Because, unlike what we might expect, the book of Ecclesiastes is about how our lives might have meaning and significance before God. And today, in pretty classic Ecclesiastes fashion, the teacher calls us to live a life that doesn't stink. It gets our attention doesn't it? Uh, but really, it is God calling us to a life that is sweet in wisdom instead of stinking of foolishness. And the first verse, 10 verse 1, is the key to this. In fact, I'd say it's the key to understanding all the rest of the chapter that we didn't touch on. But there the teacher tells us, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. And what a wonderful picture it is. Because I think all of us have had this experience uh, in one way or another. 
smells that we just love, smells that draw us in and smells that turn us off, that push us away. And maybe you've got one of those little containers of like, you know, nice smelling oil around your house to sort of lift, make your house smell good and everything. Well, the, the teacher of Ecclesiastes pitches one of those, except that flies have found it and as flies will die in it. Aren't they good at doing that? Uh, and their bodies rot or, or, or turn this oil rancid, and instead of a pleasant smell, it's, it stinks. It's a terrible aroma. Instead of drawing us in, it in fact pushes us away. And the teacher tells us that our lives can be like that. They can be pleasant smelling, desirable with wisdom and honor, good things that show that we are living well before God, but it only takes a little folly. What's a, how big is a fly? About that big, you probably can't even see. A little folly in our lives to make us stink, which honestly sucks, <laughs> you know? That as that container of perfume can be ruined by a few flies, so our wisdom, our right living, can be ruined by a little folly. And this is a warning for us. Folly, we might call it other things, we might call it stupidity, can have a great effect in our lives if we don't watch out for it and if we don't see it for what it actually is. It can, in fact, change the course of our lives which is sobering, isn't it? It's meant to be sobering. It's meant to grab our attention. Will our lives stink? And so the question we start with today, it's actually the question we sort of start with and end with today, is am I living wisely or foolishly? Is a little foolishness creeping into my life like a fly that has settled on me? And instead of just, you know, sort of brushing it away, getting rid of it. I've let it settle there because yeah, it's just a fly. It's not a big thing. You know? If so, we need to watch out. Because if we don't get rid of it, if we don't get rid of that foolishness, our lives might stink. And I think this is very similar to Jesus' warning in the Gospels where he warns of false teaching being like yeast in our lives. Yeast, tiny unseen really, but having this big effect on every part of our lives. In fact, that warning of Jesus is repeated in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It makes it into all three. And this is important because wisdom and folly, as I said, set the course of our lives. A wise heart inclines us to the right, we are told. This is my right. I know your left, but my right. Uh, which in the Bible is the side of honor and goodness. For example, Jesus sits at God's right hand, the place of honor. Uh, when Jesus tells the parable of the sheep and the goats, the, the sheep go to the right, the goats go to the left. And by contrast, a fool's heart leads them to the left. Sorry, left-handed people, it's not the Bible picking on you, it's just an understanding the Bible has. Goodness to the right, uh, foolishness to the left. Now, when I say that wisdom and folly set the course of our lives, I am not forgetting and I'm not denying for a moment that we are saved by God's grace alone and Christ alone, which is a shorthand way of saying that God saves, uh, saves us by himself 
and for himself. It's all his doing, is a way of saying it. Look, none of us came up with the idea of Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, being born, you know, and dying on the cross. None of us came up with that idea. That was God's idea and God's doing. He did it all. We only receive it. We trust in it. Talked about this with the kids this morning. But we need to take this seriously. As God's children, as disciples, we are called to a certain lifestyle and your actions matter. In fact, I'd say your attitudes matter. They show what you value. They show what you treasure and they show where you are heading, what your destination is. You know, Jesus, when he came to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he ended with the parable of the wise and foolish builders, didn't he? Uh, In which he contrasted someone who listened to his teaching, listened to his teaching, with someone who listened and obeyed. Both of their lives, Jesus say, will build something. They will have houses But the solidness of their houses, the solidness of their lives will be seen in the end, he warns us. As the one who just listens will crash, will will end in destruction. But the one who listens and obeys will last, will survive. Jesus made this contrast as well. And this is about our heart, your heart, and where it is leaning. Which way is it leaning? To the right or to the left? Towards God or away from God? What is your treasure? In Mark chapter 7, Jesus was challenged about his disciples uh, not washing their hands before they ate. I mean, seriously, this is the level of some of the things they were picking on Jesus for. Your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Uh, Which wasn't really a health thing. It was actually more to do with their traditions that they had. But hear what Jesus uh, taught his disciples in response and teaches us, teaches you. Mark 7 verse 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And note the list that Jesus gives here. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Now, Folly brings up the tale here of this list, and it is an attitude, a a bad or wrong attitude or mindset about what is right and what is wrong, about what is good and what is evil. And so while Folly might seem little, uh, the consequences of having this bad or wrong attitude are actually really, really big, right? They're going to affect the rest of our lives. They're significant. And this should get us thinking, shouldn't it? What is the direction of our lives? Where is our heart inclining us? To the left or to the right? Towards God or away from God? Are you moving towards temptation or away from temptation? What are your your actions, your values, what you put your time in, say, about where your heart is? Because we are never spiritually still. We're always moving somewhere. Uh, We are. And only a fool would go in the wrong direction when the stakes 
are life and death itself. And yet, truth be told, I think any of us could tell stories from our own lives. Oh, we've been fools. We've been fools. We've chosen death. We've chosen to lean away from God in places in our lives instead of towards him. This is easy to get wrong, isn't it? And that's why it's such an important warning. That is why it is something we need to heed. So what is the direction of our lives? Well, verses 1 to 3 have laid the foundation now. Now we get to an example of folly. And it's actually sort of the only example we have, but it's a really, really big one, and it's a really, really important one. And so verse 4 tells us, If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offences to rest. Uh, There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Now, slaves uh, riding on horseback, uh, while princes go on foot, might sound might sound great to our modern ears. Uh, you know, we always love an underdog, don't we? Um, and we often presume that we, we are the poor as well. I'm not rich. Surely I identify with the poor. I think that's often a bit of a presumption on our part. But what Ecclesiastes is describing here is a world turned upside down. Uh, when a ruler is foolish, so has uh, foolish anger, Unsurprisingly, the rest of society gets turned upside down a bit as well. Now, I know we've got Queen Elizabeth, but really, we don't really, do we? Uh, But if you are living under a monarchy and the monarchy goes bad, uh, things go really bad. (laughs) But we can see this in our world as well. We can see this in our history, can't we? If a ruler of a country goes bad, things get affected underneath them. And society goes bad as well. Uh, I'm not going to pass comment on Sri Lanka, but I think it is probably significant that the president jumped on a plane and flew out of the country. I think that probably says something one way or the other, doesn't it? But this foolishness, this topsy-turviness has moral implications as well. It does. Whenever society celebrates immorality or whenever society perpetuates wrongful violence, or whenever it punishes righteousness, or denies the authority of God, or persecutes his people, we can be sure, when we see those things, that folly is in control, and things aren't right. Things aren't as they should be. And our world can feel like this at times. Maybe when you read the news... Uh, maybe you don't think of like, well, I'm seeing horses on, uh, sorry, slaves on horseback and, you know, princes walking. Maybe that, that's not what you think. But I'm sure you've had this sense of things are not right here. Things, things are back to front in what I'm reading about what's going on in our world, either in our nation or another nation. And I like how Douglas O'Donnell paraphrased this as he came up with a response to it of don't fight folly with folly. Don't fight folly with folly, and I want you to remember that. It's never going to work out well. No, and Peter the Apostle said something very similar in First Peter chapter 2, when he taught us, saying, be subject for the Lord's sake 
uh, to every human institution, whether it is the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, and by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I think Peter is saying something very, very similar here. Look, we often live in a foolish world. Not all the time, but we often live in a foolish world. People get angry about many things, and the world can seem upside down at times. And the question we need to answer is, will we just try and walk away, escape it, which is fairly tempting, truth be told, uh, or will we stick it out and show through our calmness and goodness that there is a better way, a way that we have experienced ourselves. And I believe this has more applications than, than just with rulers or governors, though. This applies to all our relationships, because uh, this is relational. Our relationship with an angry boss, for example, we're just going to walk out? Or are we going to stick around and try and make it right? Uh, the student with an angry teacher. Maybe it's a bit harder for them to walk out, but walk out they could. <laughs> or will they stick around? Or what about one neighbor with an angry neighbor? It's a bit harder to just sell your house and get out. But I'm sure it's been done. And I've certainly talked to people who've been tempted to do that. <laughs> But I believe it especially applies to our relationships which are God-ordained and include a covenant or promise. And what Ecclesiastes talks about here, the example he gives, when the, when the ruler is, is foolishly angry with you, that is a covenant relationship. There is an agreement that is, is there. And God is involved at least to some extent. Let me give you a few more examples, perhaps a bit more common examples, that we come across. Uh, marriage. It is a covenant blessed by God. Now, there is sadly a time to walk away, uh, but it shouldn't be our first response, should it? And as anyone who is married knows, there will be lots of opportunities to deal with foolishness. Oh, there will be, won't there? Right. Am I coming through? Yeah, sorry. Don't know if these batteries are on their last legs or what. We'll see how this goes. Uh, but anyone who's been in a marriage for any, any, any length of times knows, no, you've actually got to put up with some foolishness. And that goes <laughs> both ways, actually. Um, it really, really does. Uh, but what about... Let's try this, Wayne. There we go. Gavin gave me, to this earlier, uh, gave me this earlier, saying, oh, you might need this. Turns out, Gavin, I do. What do you know? You were right. Um, what about our relationships uh, here in church? Hmm. The people that sit in front of you or behind you, uh, the people that sit around you. This is a God-ordained and blessed relationship. Uh, if you've ever got an email from me, well, I'm not going to say ever. Most of the time, if you get an email from me, because I don't write too many letters, let's be honest, uh, an email, you'll, I will usually end it in Christ, Mike. And that is a comment about our relationship, my relationship with you, that we are in Christ, that he is the basis of our union, our relationship, and I write it that way as much for my sake as your sake to remind me of the basis that we are working from. But you know what? If you're in any church for any length of time, you will have to put up 
with some foolishness, unfortunately. And that's not easy. Uh, actually, it's much easier to walk away from that one. Uh, Robin sent me a quote. Uh, you know, sometimes we take screenshots on our phones and send them to each other. You sure you do this? Anyway, Robin sent me a quote this week from Charles Spurgeon, and it just said, if the Lord Jesus Christ can put up with you, you ought to be able to put up with anybody. I was like, Robin, why, why are you sending me this? <laughs> what, what are you telling me? Uh, but it's true, isn't it? It is true. Uh, we all know it, but I think we're all very good at forgetting it sometimes. And I'm not saying it's easy, uh, because I actually I don't think any wound hurts as much as your spouse or as, as a family member, right? And that can be true in the church as well. That can hurt really, really bad. Or what about kids? That is a God-ordained relationship. Uh, my kids give me many opportunities to practice this. They really, really do. Uh, their foolishness, uh, their angry foolishness at times challenges me. Now, I'm not going to walk away, uh, although I'm tempted some days to walk away, or at least walk out of the room. But actually, I, I'm, I'm more challenged about my response to them. Will I get angry in response? And tell you what, if they're unreasonably angry and then I get angry, even if I think it's fairly reasonable, it doesn't help anyone, does it? You know, if they're yelling and then I end up yelling, oh, we've lost already, haven't we? We have. No, this calls for calmness. And it calls for me to show them goodness, even if they're, they are wrong. Now, it needs to be said there are times to get upset. There are. There's times to get passionate. There's times to turn the money changers tables over. I'm referring to Jesus' actions in the temple. But let's also be honest about that. That is not our situation most of the time. That's not what we're dealing with. Now, our challenge most of the time uh, in dealing with foolish anger of this world is not to be intimidated by it or to respond in kind, uh, but to keep calm, which I believe we can only do with the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Only by looking to God, remembering how he has treated us and what he is calling us to do and crying out for that help ourselves as we are in those situations. Not easy. Never ever said it's easy, but it is important to do. Look, someone said, two hotheads don't fix anything. And they don't, do they? They don't. And foolish anger will happen around us. Uh, you won't avoid it. It will even happen in our God-ordained relationships. It will even happen here. It will Plus, we live in a foolish world where things, quite frankly, aren't right. Not everything, but some things aren't right. Things are turned upside down. It was true in the day, and the teacher of Ecclesiastes wrote, and it is true today for us as well. Amongst all of this foolishness, though, let us be found as peacemakers, seeking the other's good, even if they are wrong, even if they are foolish. 
Let us show through our calmness that we know what God has done for us in Jesus and that he calls us. He calls us now in our families, in our marriages, in our workplaces, his church, our communities, and with our neighbors, all of them, that we might make him known and that we might see a little bit of this world turned up the right way, back the way it's meant to be. Can I share an example of this, a little example of this, and I'll only share it because they're not here, and if they're watching online, well, they can be embarrassed at home. I didn't ask their permission. Sorry, Anne. Uh, Anne Freighter. You know Anne? She's a teacher, an experienced teacher. I'm not sure how many years she's been teaching. Anyway, Robin was describing how Anne Freighter is really, really good over in Kids Rock. It's the holidays, so it's not going at the moment. But anyway, really, really good over in Kids Rock. And Robin said, Anne has this wonderful ability in amongst all of the goings-on, which can be pretty frustrating and uh, are often foolish. You know, you saw a little bit down here this morning. Uh, all the goings-on, uh, that she keeps her shoulders down. Do uh, you know what I mean by that? That in amongst it all, her shoulders don't get higher and higher and higher, you know, getting wound up about things, but she keeps her shoulders down. Robin asked her about this, because Robin's a, a teacher as well. And Anne said something, and I hope I'm getting this right. It's, oh, it's taken years of practice. Years of practice to, to teach from this place of shoulders down, not shoulders up. Uh, and you know what? I've tried to remember that, uh, mostly with my own kids. Uh, but, but in all of life, eh? Because sometimes you're aware of, like, oh, my shoulders are just about up around my ears just at the moment because things, you know, things are getting tense and I'm feeling fired up about this. Um, and to remember where I'm meant to be living from and who I'm meant to be living for. Um, thank you, Anne, for being a great example if you're watching online. But it is a great example, and I hope that it's a helpful example to you as well. Look, I've got to believe that if Anne said that took her years to do, well, then probably I need to be a little patient with myself and give myself a few more years as well. And I need to keep practicing it. And I share that because I think all of us, need to work at this, work on this godliness within us of how we are responding to others. Amen? Amen. Right, and this leads us to a strange warning and encouragement about living in this foolish world. It is strange. Verse 8, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Particularly strange New Zealand example, we don't have any snakes. Uh, but their houses would have cracks in the side of it, um, typically. They'd often be put together with stones, etc. Cracks are a great place for snakes to be. You start breaking down a wall, you start breaking down a snake's house. What has happened? Yeah, not too much of a surprise. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. Now, all four of these examples on one hand, they make sense. Yeah, if you do those things, you know, you might get injured. That might happen. Uh, but what do they have to do with foolishness, because that's what this is about. What, is it, what do they have to do with wisdom or foolishness? Well, Charles Bridges summarized it saying, evil shall fall upon the head of its own authors. Or to put it another way, if we work at foolishness, if we, we are continually foolish, uh, guess what will happen? It will catch up with us. <laughs> it will fall on our head, so to speak. And this is a warning and sort of a strange encouragement. While it might look at times in our society or maybe in our lives that foolish rulers, foolish uh, 
you know, the, the foolishness that we see in society, the topsy-turviness, the things being turned upside down, um, and that they're getting away with it. Actually, they'll only get away with it for a while. It won't go on forever. They do indeed reap what they sow. And so it is a warning not to get sucked into these things, not to think, well, I, I can just be foolish and get away with it too. It is also an encouragement, although, although a sad one, uh, that they will reap what they sow. But more personally than that, it is a call to think of ourselves that we are not joining them in this work, otherwise we might share their fate, uh, that we need to watch our own ways. What are we working at? How are we living? You know, in Galatians 6, Paul the Apostle reminds us saying, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This talk of digging, this talk of quarrying and breaking down walls and splitting logs is a call to watch what we are investing our lives in, what we are working at and seeking. It is a call to watch our steps because foolishness hurts. It does hurt in the end. It comes home to roost, we might say, and God would have us avoid this pain. He desires that as people would invest their lives wisely, that you would invest your life wisely, and that we would reap a harvest for our work that will last, a harvest of eternal life. Amen? Lastly, lastly, the teacher calls us to think about what we need to do to be wise in our lives, what you need to do to be wise in your lives. What action do you need to take or what do you need to change in your lives to be wise and to be successful? And when I use the word successful, I mean before God, not anyone else, before God. Uh, in verses 10 to 11, they're, they're a little bit like riddles in one sense. You've got to work at it. Um, but they say the same thing to us so we don't miss it. Uh, the wise thing to do when cutting wood is to sharpen your axe. If you, you've ever tried to use like a really blunt axe, honestly, you might as well use the back of the axe. You're just hammering the wood. Hey, you go, what a workout, and you don't get anywhere. It's really, really frustrating. I, I suppose the modern example is that you've ever tried to use a chainsaw with a blunt chain. Hey, Ross, it's terrible. Like, you're not producing any wood chips. It's just like dust comes out from underneath the chainsaw, and you're pushing and pushing. You can push all you like. And it, it's a work to go through that wood. Now, the wise thing to do is sharpen your axe, sharpen your chainsaw. Sharpen chainsaw is amazing. You don't have to push it at all. It just pulls through the wood. You've got to catch it as it comes out the other side so it doesn't get your leg. Likewise, with charming a, st a snake. Now, I have zero experience with this. It's not a very Kiwi example again. Uh, but this job, charming a snake, requires some dedication. You've got to see it through. If you don't charm the snake... You're going to get bitten by the snake, aren't you? Like We can all understand that part, can't we? And as Christians in this foolish world, like we've got to be wise in our lives. We've got to be wise. 
We've got to sharpen our axe. We've got to charm the snake. We've got to see it through. Otherwise, we're going to be frustrated and it's not going to lead to any fruit. I believe these two proverbs are calls for action in our lives, calls for action in your life. What do we need to do to sharpen to bring success in your life? Again, success before God. Uh, What do we need to finish or to see through to see a reward in our lives? It's a wonderful thing to start doing something good uh, but if you just give up, well, you're just giving it up, thrown away. You've got to see it through. Really, how should we be wise? And if I can come back all the way back to the first verse, 10 verse 1, the verse about flies in our lives, the little flies of folly, what are they? What are they that is trying to get into your life? Let me ask some questions around them. Where do you think folly is getting into your life? Like if If I could sit down with you and say, where's folly trying to get into your life? How would you answer that question? You know, we've had um, cluster flies come through recently, haven't we? Gosh, they can get in the darndest of places and get through, and so can folly. Where's it getting into in your life? Your work, your marriage, your schooling with your children, how you're spending your time, what you're reading or listening to, Is there something that requires your attention that today the Spirit is calling you to be wise about, to listen about, and to take heed about, to take action about? Be a wise builder, brother or sister. It is not just enough to listen. We have to listen and obey. And I believe the Spirit is speaking in our lives. I'm sure of it. I don't know what he's saying to you, but I am sure of it, that the Spirit cares, God cares about you as his children, that he will speak. He will correct you. Is there a part of your relationships that you are avoiding, a part that you aren't dealing with? Is there an opening in your life, doesn't have to be very big, an opening in your life that the fly of folly is trying to get into Something that is open that should be closed. Then be wise. Take action. And you have to take that action. I can't take it for you. (laughs) Take action. Change the situation in faith before God. Speaking calmly and with love. Persevere knowing that he who disciplines his children, he does so in love. He does so for your benefit as any good parent would. Amen? Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we are here, we, we are indeed your children. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what our age is. We are your children. And Lord, you know everything about us, every single thing. And you love us. You care for us. And you want us to live lives that will bear fruit before you. And we too, too, we want to bear fruit for you. But Lord, give us your discernment to see folly, the little flies of folly for what it is, for something that should be waved away and gotten rid of. Help us to see it and avoid it. 
to not give it a, a nesting place and a place in our lives, something that will grow and, and affect us in a negative way, something that will lead us astray. And may it have no place, Lord, in our hearts, that our hearts belong to you, that we are yours. So help us to listen today. To listen, Holy Spirit, if there is something that does not belong in us, but also to listen to how you are calling us to persevere in our relationships. To listen in those times when we do get angry and frustrated and just want to walk out. To listen and to know your help, your guidance, indeed your wisdom. And to when we might persevere and when we might show the love that we have found in you ourselves. And yes, in those situations, when we do need to back away and maybe even walk away as well. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Please lead us on as your people today and every day. We do pray in your name and for your glory. Amen.